The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy, All the World's a Stage. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Nanu, Nanu. And <laughs> Father Cory Stika. Hey, Father Cory. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. And you want to go to that channel, especially if you want to see us, because we're now recording these as live videos. Another show on the StarQuest network you're sure to enjoy is The Secrets of Stargate. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Stargate. So, Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens in this episode of Prodigy? Yeah, so lately we've been having really simple episodes that focus mostly on action and have short summaries, but not this time. Mm -hmm. Last time, the Diviner woke up in biological Janeway's sickbay. This time she interviews him, but his memory is jumbled. He does recognize Chakotay and says he was taken prisoner, and he's babbling about his mission and how he must save people. But then he starts to remember more about Starfleet and his home planet, so he freaks out and shuts up. But enough about that, because that isn't what today's episode is about. This week, Star Trek Prodigy meets Galaxy Quest. Mm. Following uh, following up on the distress call from the end of last episode, the protostar comes in comes to a previously uncontacted planet inhabited by people just as imitative and culture hungry as the Iotians from the original series gangster episode, A Piece of the Action. A hmm. hundred years ago, Ensign Garavik from the original series episode Obsession crash landed on the planet in the shuttlecraft Galileo. The shuttle was leaking and poisoned the environment, so Garavik was forced to make contact with the natives to save them. They then adopted a wannabe culture based on a distorted version of Starfleet. They misunderstood the name of the Enterprise as the Enterprise, and so they are called the Enterpriseans. Before dying, Garavik warned them about the Galileo, which they interpreted as a curse involving a monster called the Gallows. And if people get too close to the Dilithium Cave where the shuttle is, they really do get sick. So does Dal. So Gwyn, Jankum, and Rock go to the cave to figure out what's causing the problems because they don't know all of this yet. They learn about the shuttle and relay back the info needed to Zero to synthesize an antidote for the poisoning. But they end up in the shuttle in a very dangerous situation, and because the shuttle's broken warp core is causing subspace distortion, Hologram Janeway conveniently can't beam them out without getting closer. Hmm. And the subspace interference will also take her offline if she gets too close. Dal then beams up with several of the Enterpriseans, and together they pilot the protostar into the cave close enough to beam their teammates out. 
Afterwards, they help the Enterprisians seal seal up the Poison Cave, and Dal concludes that they will find a way back to Starfleet without the Protostar so that the Federation will be safe. In our final shot, Rock goes into sickbay and discovers that Murph, who has been sick all episode, has entered a gooey chrysalis and is apparently transforming. Mm. The end. So uh, let's start at the beginning, which is a very good place to start, as uh, we all know. And so Biogene... Don't make me sing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Julie Andrews, this this is your cue. So Biogeneway interrogating the Diviner. And one of the pieces of information he kind of lets out is, which is new, is that Chakotay is a prisoner somewhere. Or at least that's Mm -hmm. the interpretation that Janeway takes from him. Uh, So that I think that's a new bit of information. Uh, on this one, we, we we've kind of implied, we've kind of figured that at least I have that mm-hmm. that that uh, Chakotay was is still out there somewhere being yeah. held prisoner and was taken prisoner by the Diviner, but he was able yeah. Chakotay was able to hide the uh, Protostar before uh, the Diviner could get them. Okay, and so yeah, because it would be really weird for if he was dead. Like that would be a pretty dark way to have this a kids animation program to go. Um, so. And it's interesting how they're framing it because and it's kind of obvious. Jane Wade thinks that whoever is in control of the Protostar is, you know, attacking Starfleet installations and has attacked the Diviner and that mm-hmm. he's a victim, not the perpetrator. And so it's kind of we're right. setting ourselves up for this interesting confrontation later. Well, and they also just briefly mentioned an, an unknown ship that rescued the guy from the, the comm station. Barnes Frex, the Denobulan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there, but but we don't know who that ship is, and it's not the Protostar, and it's not Janeway's ship. So there's there's another ship out there somewhere that's kind of following along with this, and right. it's, it's possible too that could be Chicote too. Yeah. In any event, it gives Janeway the dramatic outline: this has just become a manhunt. <laughs> yes, that's very dramatic. So uh, that's and that's the end of Bio Janeway for this episode. And so we go to the Protostar where they've arrived at the M class world, which has sent out the distress signal that's with conveniently has, like you mentioned, the subspace interference and interferes with communications and transport, of course. Um, mm. So. Uh, Rock, meanwhile, like you mentioned, is preoccupied with Murph, who's ostensibly sick. And so she stays on board for the first part of the this episode. The rest go out and encounter these two aliens who what, they stun uh, Jinkum Pog. Uh, and they call themselves James, James T. and Sulu. And oh, no, Sulu. Sulu, right. That's why you're going to get the pronunciation right. And... Uh, they're wearing these weird um, primitive versions of Starfleet uniforms. Yeah, they're they're like original C, uh, original episode uniforms, except they're stitched together from patches and mm-hmm. of fabric, and they're green. Yes, and the the two James T and Sul U, both their speech patterns imitate oh, William yeah. Shatner and George Takei. <laughs> it's really funny, yeah. right down to that. Very exaggerated William Shatner inflections. <laughs> yes. Oh my, this is yeah. how much more like George Decay can I possibly sound? <laughs> oh my. You, you, could, you could tell D. Bradley Baker had, had fun, especially with the James T voice, because right. he was the ones who voiced James T. So Yes, there was, yeah, D. Bradley Baker is also the, the voice of Murph, uh, which he hasn't had a lot to do yet. 
and all of the Thermians or Enterprisians have <laughs> um, have names that are distorted versions of the original crew. So we right. have Doctor Boons. Yep, is their doctor instead of Bones. We have Sprock, who barely gets any lines in this. Yep, mm-hmm. Scott E. and <laughs> Cadet Hurrah. Yep. You know- it's interesting. I have one of Scott E's vests. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know if you guys remember the Scott E vests that was oh, popular yeah. a few years oh, ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun just to, to to hear the voices there, and uh, the, most of those, some are actually voiced by Fred Tatiscore, who we know yep. from uh, Lower Decks um, as uh, Shrek, Shax. Shacks. You're getting my not name. Shrek. Shacks. Yeah, yeah, just getting my <laughs> sci-fi names mixed up. And then we also have um, Eric Bauza as some of the others. I don't recognize his name, but um, we have this interesting walkthrough of their settlement that is like this structure that's kind of built to look semi like a Starfleet ship. It's got nacelles on it, and mm-hmm. the, we see the people of the village doing various. Starfleet things, and I'm doing the air quotes, uh, like practicing hand to hand combat where they do the Kirk boxing the ears move. I know, <laughs> I, I noticed that. Yeah, just in the background, they don't say anything about it, but it's there visually. You get the Kirk ear box move, <laughs> um, and, and the two the two fist slam, the two yeah mm-hmm. the double fist slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you also they they get almost all of their Starfleet dialogue wrong in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they think instead of Starfleet, they think the organization is named Starflight. Yeah. Um, they, their founder, who we later learn is Ensign Garavik, uh, or their cultural inspiration, who we later learn is Ensign Garavik, they refer to as Ensign. Yeah. Um, they, instead of, instead of live long and prosper, they have live logs and proper. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, they have the enterprise instead of impulse power, they have pulse power. Um, so they, they, everything is just a little bit off, but it's a lot of fun. Right. Another one of the characters is, uh, this young female cadet who gets sick. Uh, her name is Hura, like Hura. Right. Yeah. And so well, they, they even, they even yeah. get the, the Vulcan salute wrong where they join the middle and ring fingers <laughs> yeah. instead of splitting <laughs> yeah. the middle and ring fingers. It's really was, hard to do. <laughs> when, I, when I was a kid, you know, I would practice the Vulcan salute and turning it into the two middle fingers together salute. <laughs> but I always thought they should establish that the two the two middle fingers joined should be like the Andorian salute or something. <laughs> yeah. Or a Vulcan obscene gesture. I don't know. Maybe. No, yeah. I, was, I was a pretty, pretty clean kid. No, no. It's, I'm, I'm <laughs> more thinking about now um actually uh letter d boy says just as a as a tangent that the vulcan hand salute is actually comes from a jewish uh, blessing gesture yes that he remembered yeah. from his childhood uh, yeah it, you put the both hands together and mirror image vulcan salutes and it's used as a um it's used as a blessing in the um, in the synagogue and on, on Yom Kippur, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And you're not supposed to look, but he did anyway. And <laughs> yeah. um, if if memory serves, it's like I, th- I want to say it's based on the on, on the letter Sheen in the Hebrew alphabet um, for the divine name which in, in the word name in Hebrew is uh, Hashem, the name. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say it's based on the, on the character for Sheen, which is the first letter of Hashem, of Shem. Okay. But I may be mistaken. I may okay. be mistaken. 
So they they're brought in and they're brought to this theater area where they will view the logs, which it turns out are plays that reenact the arrival of. Well, it reenacts some stuff that happens on the Enterprise, the original series Enterprise uh, and the red shirt ensign that we'll later find out is Garavik, who ended up among them in violation of the prime directive. You know, it kind of pollutes their world's natural development, their civilization's natural development. Except he had to because of the dilithium, the, mm-hmm. the poisoning the shuttlecraft was causing. Right. The shuttlecraft crashed and leaked. And so as he's dying, he's telling them to stay away from the, the gallows right. or the Galileo. Galileo. Mm-hmm. Presumably this tells us the fate of the Galileo because, you know, we'd seen the Galileo shuttlecraft early in uh, Star Trek, the original series. We saw well, the it does, it does tell us. Yeah. There, so yeah. there are actually three Galileo shuttlecrafts um, in the original series. The first one is the star of the title episode of the eponymous episode, mm-hmm. the Galileo seven. Yep. Where and it burns up um, in orbit around the planet. Then they have another Galileo that has the same name and registry number. And then later in the series, they have a third shuttle called the Galileo two. And so this is the middle Galileo that right. we learn we learn its fate. You'd think they'd stop naming shuttles Galileo just like because bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could do the same thing for ships named Enterprise, but they don't. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. And so, <clears throat> for those who don't know the for, for in real life, the uh, the the regional Galileo prop was recovered and restored and has been restored to its original. Oh, uh, nice. To how it was when they were using it for shooting. Um, I, I don't remember where it's at now, but it, it, there was a crew, a group of people that bought it. It was like sitting in a junkyard somewhere, weather getting weathered out, and they bought it and completely rebuilt it. Oh, so wow. you can go online it, and find it out. I wonder if it's at the place up in upstate New York, which which has the original Enterprise set that they rebuilt and it all that. Might be, or yeah. I, I can't remember if it like went to the Smithsonian or something like that. Or I'm going on pilgrimage one of these days. That's for sure. You're <laughs> not that far. Incidentally, one of the things that happened with this middle Galileo, who is now in the bottom of the dilithium cave on this planet, it's the one that brought Spock's parents on board the Enterprise. Hmm. Right, 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 right. Yes. And they recognize, or at least Jankum Pog, I think, recognizes the Galileo as, you know, 23rd century Starfleet technology. And therefore, he, you know, understands what needs to be done and what's going on. He's apparently been studying uh, the databanks of the protostar. Oh, speaking of Jenkin Pog, so I understand this is a kid show. I understand they need to play the comedy broad. Yep. But um, Jen- at a certain point in this episode, Jenkin Pog's constant desire to quit and leave because he's a coward starts getting annoying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He needs to, they're, they're, I think the writers are playing that joke too too hard. They need to lighten up on that. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's sort of, it's very tempting to take the pig-like character, the pig-like race, and make them the the, the comic relief, I suppose. Um, you know, and they do that in every at every opportunity, frankly. And they've and they made him the butt of this joke here. Yeah. Well, I don't mind Jacob Pog being a comic relief character, but he they need to play it light. They need to yeah. they need to not go as hard into it as they have been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, it was it was funny to see him literally dragged onto the. The transporter had, but <laughs> right, right. But, but yeah, end, but when they're actually in the cave, and he's like, "No, I'm out of here." It's like, "No, stop that." 
but in, but in the end, he does the heroic thing and and goes mm-hmm. on board and and you know to fix yeah. it. So that's and good. that's good. But he he tries to bail like four at least four times earlier in the episode, and that's, that's too true. much. That's true. So we we have the Enterpriseians. Uh, they're pretending to be Starfleet, and the doubt like they, there's a debate on whether they should tell the truth, tell them that you know, what's really going on and reveal to these people, you know, the protostar people trying to reveal whether to the enterprise and people what's really going on. And Gwyn makes a statement about like that. She's not afraid of the truth. And so they should never be afraid of telling the truth. I think that's not a bad message to be, to, to be telling mm-hmm. kids here. I mean, you know, times we do the, this sort of depends on your theory of, of lying and telling the truth. But in general, the truth is, yeah. is better than withholding it from people when it would benefit them. That's for sure. I was a little unclear on what's actually, I mean, it's not that it's important, but what's actually going on with the shuttle in this cave. So the cave is full of dilithium crystals mm-hmm. and the, what the plasma leaking from the shuttle is interacting with it in such a way to cause like a radiation sickness, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, because you, you see one scene where it, uh, there's a drop of the, the plasma hits and you can see some of the crystals in the pool of plasma, I oh, guess. Okay. <laughs> and one drop of plasma is like a big explosion. So dropping the entire shuttle in is a massive explosion, which a little bit of a plot hole, because if it was that massive explosion, it would have just irradiated everything everywhere yeah. around. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll allow them that. Or- blown the top of the mountain off which right. it didn't exactly yeah. exactly so um the, the, it was kind of nice you mentioned to me in the recap how because conveniently hollow janeway has to go offline uh they need someone to pilot this the the protostar so they mm-hmm. beam up some of the enterprise and people and they were so meticulous in observing the logs that they found on the uh on garavik I mean, apparently they weren't yeah, on the this, Galileo. This doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. somehow they know how to operate the user interface of a 23rd century constitution s- constitution class, class starship, <laughs> even though they've never seen one. Yeah. Um, but they but it is a nice touch that when Dal brings up these these guys, they turn Janeway turns on a holographic version of the original enterprise bridge so that they can use controls that are more like the ones they're familiar with. Yeah. And yeah, there's some transferable knowledge. If you know how to use an iPhone, you can kind of transfer that to how to use an iPad. So I can, I can, (laughs) I can give them a little bit, but, um, uh, but (laughs) if hollow Janeway is going to be taken offline by this radiation, why isn't the hollow bridge? Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a hole in the in the writing too. But yeah, it yeah. was a maybe, nice touch. Maybe, maybe it's yeah. maybe it's not a hollow bridge. Maybe it's just they're pulling up control panel displays that are right. like those. Yeah, from the twenty third century. Sure, I mean that We'll we'll go with it. I mean, it doesn't have to be. It works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> um, so I, I did like though that they they showed them as they're walking through the sh- the 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 new Enterprise that they're they're literally watching a view screen of you know of the the uh, right Enterprise the real Enterprise logs so that's I right. mean that's that's kind of where that comes from where they they've watched these logs that they I guess yeah the ensign downloaded from the Galileo and gave to them <laughs> I yes yeah. don't 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 put, look at that too closely <laughs> I guess. The historical records are watching the historical records. Right. And in fact, we have yeah. at the end uh, amended historical records or, uh, in, you know, they've 
uh, updated their plays, their logs, to include the heroics of the protostar crew to help them you know defeat the gallows and that sort of thing so uh (laughs) including jacob getting stunned when they ran into the enterpriseians (laughs) yes yeah that was good uh and it was an interesting conclusion that you know dell at the end realizes that they can imitate the enterpriseians in a way where the enterpriseians can adhere to starfleet ideals without having to be on a starship on the real starship and in, and in maybe they too can you know the protostar crew can also ab- appeal to and and uh join starfleet without the protostar that they'll find a way to get back to starfleet without bringing the protostar with them i don't know how successful that will be given that the show is called well, it's called, it's called Prodigy. It's called Prodigy. It yeah. doesn't have to involve the protostar necessarily. That's true. Th- this one of the things that I like about this is I'm not entirely sure what the end game is because the obvious, um, you know, the obvious way to play this as a kids series would be as a picaresque adventure where you have a new adventure every week you're on this endless quest and then maybe at the very end they get home. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's. Mm-hmm. That's Voyager and, <laughs> right. and, and, and it's also space cases, which was another show for kids. Sliders. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yep. and so, so, you know, there's a tendency to set up a premise and just milk that premise until the end of the series. I'm not a hundred percent sure they're going to do that here because they mm-hmm. have, they have, you know, developments occur with like Janeway learning. I mean, obviously at some point they have to pay off Yeah, the, um, what happened with Chakotay. They have to meet biological Janeway. Biological Janeway has to establish friendly relations with them, even though they're setting us up right now for the, the, the Denobulan guy is going to say these horrible kids showed up and attacked me. And so they're going to initially be at odds. They've, they've got, you know, unless they unless this is going to be a two season series, mm-hmm. I or or even a one season series, but I would suspect two. Um, they they may if they want to keep this going, they may pay all that off and shift to right. to something yeah. else involving these kids. Like, okay, now that the protostar adventure is done, here's the new adventure. Right, right. Yeah. That's that could and be it, interesting. And it is it is going to be a second season. Has already been done or has been signed and everything yeah you know and, and they they revealed all the titles for the rest of the season when the the asylum the the 11th episode aired and uh the, it ends with a two-part call, uh called supernova so it's going to be a two-parter to end the season so they're going to have some conclusion to mm. some of these storylines you know this isn't just going to be yeah. kind of left to float out there and it is possible they do something like well we're done with the protostar now or chakotay takes over the protostar or again or something you know given that the heart of the protostar's engines is a miniature star a protostar supernova mm-hmm. could hint at the destruction of the protostar yeah. i guess yeah it could yeah could be something it could be misdirection or something else so but- what one of the things that Dal says at the end, although, though, is, although, and although the science geek in me is already itching with annoyance because supernovas are at the opposite end of the, of a star's lifetime than protostars. But, right. okay. <laughs> well, or maybe that's actually another hint of something else. So it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but Dell does say at the end of this, you don't need a starship to do good. I think it's Dell. Mm-hmm. Um, there's someone says that line, and that no, could, but it helps. <laughs> well, it yeah. does help, but it kind of could be hinting at you know maybe we don't need the you know that the we can leave the protostar behind at some point. So um, maybe they're preparing the audience for that. One of the things that this episode kind of reminds me of the premise is of those, the Japanese Catholics who had been cut off from the church for a century or so, you know, that idea of people who have been connected to something cut off a mm-hmm. couple and, hundred years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they develop independently and, and how that separate development you know, once they've reconnected can be very interesting to see how things have changed and didn't change in between. And I thought that was kind of a fascinating idea. Um, I mean, this is not exactly the same thing because they weren't really part of Starfleet, but I just thought it was kind of an uh, interesting thought uh, to think about while watching this is that that idea of the, uh, the Japanese remnant uh, Catholics, uh, I'm not, I forget what the, the term was, right? but there's a, there's a term for them. It's but, in uh, Japanese. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. So um, any final thoughts on this, Father Corey? I thought it was kind of a funny connection of uh, between Lower Decks and Prodigy about second contact where yeah. uh, you had Project yeah. Swing By with, from uh, Lower Decks <laughs> and then you had the Protostar crew inadvertently doing a second contact. That's true. That's true. Jimmy? Nope. Okay. I, I just want to finish by saying I think this is one of the better episodes mm-hmm. of of Prodigy we've had. I think it might be the best so far. I certainly enjoyed it a lot and that's probably just because I'm a longtime Star Trek geek and loved the, the references. So uh, <laughs> I, I really like that. All right. Yeah. So let's uh, finish up then. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Peter M, Captain Natron, Norlin S, James B, and Paul E. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. That's awesome that we have a patron named Captain Natron. Not a lot of people even know yeah. what Natron is. That's cool. <laughs> I know, that's pretty cool. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of All the Worlds a Stage. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek. Our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. You can send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. And like I said before, you can now watch The Secrets of Star Trek in full video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of Star Trek Prodigy called Crossroads. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live logs and proper. (laughs) And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, I've learned never to fear the truth. Star Trek.